Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching and welcome to our third of four episodes in a series all about collaboration. Today, we are going to start talking about, you know, the star of the show, the kids and where to bring students into the conversation. And uh, let's say hi to Amanda. Hello, everybody. Hi, Marie. Good morning. Hi, Amanda. We're back together again. Last week, we had a episode where I did an interview with my friend Aaron Castillo from Affirmations and Accessibility. And like listening back to that interview, I was like, gosh, she is so stinking smart. (laughs) She's so good at what she does. And that's part of what makes me also just like fangirl over you. Like, I love... I just love being around people who are so good at what they do and love what they do. And that's why they're good at it. Like it just lights my fire. And as we're recording, today's my last day of school, guys. We're recording early, early, early in the morning. And I'm pumped. And Amanda and I were talking just before we started recording, sad and excited and all the feelings. And so I think it's a good day actually to talk about students because I have a few in mind that we can talk about when we're looking at collaboration. This is just one more thing that if you're not a teacher, you just don't get it. How you can feel these emotions simultaneously. So it's so exhausting. And it's, and there's like no relief because when you like watch them walk across the stage, you're still sad and happy as you home after the day and you're done going to school. You're like, okay, I'm glad I get to sleep in tomorrow, but I really miss these kids. It's, it is not fair. (laughs) 
I mean, that's the point, right? I mean, the point is to help prepare them for the next stage of their life, right? It's to like, to walk them through this adolescent phase and get them, but also a really big piece of that pie. We were just talking a few of us at lunch yesterday, like a big, if it's a pie chart, there's like a lot of the color that is graduation stage. Like, it's like a lot. And so it's a big day. And even though I do it every single year and we've been doing it for, you know, a long time, uh, it's still a very emotional day. Like it just doesn't get old. You know, it's so funny you said that because I was just posted on my Instagram story a couple days ago. Uh, my husband, Luis, has been sending me these uh, reels. They're hysterical of Hispanic last names at graduation and just like how long they are. And like the, the reels are hysterical. They're from mostly Hispanic kids, you know, who are making reels about themselves. And like, it's just, I, I was just so funny because, well, I come from a Hispanic family. So like, it's kind of like poking fun at ourselves. But at the same time, I was like, wow, this whole, this is, this is the conclusion of my first year, not in a classroom. Yeah. And I've had a lot of things that have been like emotional tugs back. But graduation has been the one that I watch those reels and they're funny, but I'm like, I get sad because my favorite thing to do was read names. I was the name reader. Oh, really? Pronounce Hispanic last names. And that was like 80% of our student body. So I just, wow. Like, it's just so funny you said that because I was just thinking about that this week, like the very special like emotions that are connected with graduation. And and it kind of slaps you across the face because like all of a sudden it's here. Well, and like, yes, it does. It does. And this year, for some reason, feels even different. Like, I bet. As I'm sitting here recording at my cute little desk in my backyard shed, it's totally socked in and it doesn't quite feel like summer, but I'm definitely in flip flops and shorts as I'm going to go like heft things around the stadium to like help set up for graduation. So it's going to be close to 90. So, like, there's that aspect that just kind of like jumped at me. All of a sudden, it's going to get hot. And then also the fact that like the whole year, you know, there's normally an up and down and there's lulls. And this is something that we've been talking about in the education community all year long. There have been no lulls. There has been only dead sprint. And it's not even like, oh, slow and steady. No, it's fast and run yourself into the ground and hopefully you make it to the end of the race. I don't know if there's winning. So graduation, to your point, came out of nowhere. I knew it was coming. It came out of nowhere nonetheless. And yeah, I and so I mean, so today we're talking about collaboration, specifically with our students. We're talking about a couple different things that we're talking about student to student peer collaboration and collaborative learning, which is something we've talked about a lot in this podcast. It's a big pillar of both of our classrooms as, you know, like curriculum rehab speak. Um, it's something that makes what we do tick within our own teaching practices, but it's also, we're going to be talking about teacher to student collaboration in their own learning. And that's, I think why like something like graduation hits home. Like this is a team effort. Y'all did not get yourselves across that stage on your own. It's all of us there with you who are cheering you on and have been towing the line and dealing with uh, the ups and downs along the way that, we all feel it because we all got here together. All uh, right. I'm going to start crying. So no. it's time. Well, I'm, so you are human, right? So there yeah. we go. Like that's teachers are human. So we're going to feel all the feels and there's so many kids to be proud of. And I know. And you know what else we can be proud of? That it's time to cue the music. <laughs> cue the music. <laughs> you 
You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, friends. So we are going to dive in to the collaborative peer-to-peer like student strategies first, because I think that's something that will like get our gears turning a little bit to get ready for just the idea of looking at teachers and students as collaborators. That's a little bit of a philosophical shift that I think most of us, if you're here, especially if you're like a brave new teaching lifer, you're totally ready for this conversation. If you're a little bit newer, I'm hoping that you're uh, ready and you have found your people because we like it when we are your people and you find us. But Amanda's going to kick us off with some strategies for student collaboration. Yeah. So in the intro, Marie mentioned that group work and collaboration was one of our pillars. And so that that phrase, one of our pillars comes out of our course curriculum rehab, where we teach you all how to create your own pillars, right? These, these pieces of um, what make you a person, what make you a teacher and what you want to see your classroom consistently look like. And, and for us, that means that regularly we're asking students to collaborate. We're modeling collaboration. We're talking about how the world functions better when we work as a team. So um, for me, what that looks like in terms of like translating my pillars into my practice is that I plan in my units that there's going to be a minimum of one day a week that kids are working together in groups. So I wanted to share some of like my kind of like go-to favorite activities and then a couple of just like fun ones that happen at other points of the year. So for me, some like go-to places for collaborative group work are number one, hexagonal thinking. Um, the guru on this, she's been on the podcast yes. before, Betsy Potash. We will link that episode for you if you want to listen in about hexagonal thinking. This is a really fun and easy thing, especially if you have a little bit of time over the summer. It would be a really fun little PD for yourself just to listen to the episode and then play around. She's got free resources. You just need to to play, to get the hang of it. And then you'll be able to use it once per unit, easy peasy. The nice thing too, is that you can just, when the text changes, you change a couple of little things, but you can reuse the same template. And the hexagonal thinking will definitely give students the chance to not only collaborate in how they're discussing that things work together, but even argue with each other and saying, well, these things don't connect or these things should be in a different place. They can present what they've done together. So it's a really natural collaborative strategy. Have you used hexagonal thinking, Marie? I have right after she was on the podcast. Well, and I mean, I kind of like creepy stalk Betsy anyways, because she's got so many amazing strategies. So yes, I have, and I've kind of adapted it here and there. Like I started using it right when quarantine shutdown began. So then I haven't quite made my way back to it, but it is one of those things that like, I think beginning the year with that kind of organic collaboration. So the strategies we're going to talk about today are much more on the organic collaboration side. So you were talking about TikToks that Luis is sending you. I went down a whole rabbit hole of TikToks about teachers having like their summer PD sessions, which to have your summer PD sessions at the end of the school year, I feel like deserves, I don't know, that's like another ring in Dante's Inferno. I I just, I can't understand why we do that to ourselves. I've never had that experience. Ours is always in August before we come back, which is, it's a different, like, I mean, 
that's hard too. But like, if I knew that tomorrow I had to start or next week I had to start doing like legit PD, I, mm, I would just cr- cry for a long time out of, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do anything else anyways. Okay. But I digress. So I watched a bunch of TikToks about now I've forgotten what I was saying. Oh, icebreakers. They had to collaborate and they're doing like the day after the last day of school, they're doing icebreakers to begin their collaborative sessions. And I was like, mm, there's nothing more inorganic, more inauthentic than <laughs> a really contrived icebreaker, especially if it's like at the end of the year with a bunch of people who have been working together for a full year. What we're talking about today, there's the point. I found it is that the collaboration that we are looking for is coming from a natural place. And sometimes that has to be a little bit manufactured, but like to make it really obvious, like these are the questions you're going to ask to get more comfortable with each other, right? Like all of that kind of team building stuff can happen ahead of time. And some of these strategies can also ease with that team building factor as you're getting kids into more like collaboration. I have to stop talking because I don't make sense. You, I'm, I'm following you hundred percent. So I think that's because you know me and you love me and you have to take over right now. <laughs> I, I am going to take over right now. Cause I'm going to bring it, bring it back. Um, uh, but I think that this, so hexagonal thinking is definitely a great starting point. Not that you need to force yourself into any PD this summer. I, we don't want to do that. Although I completely disagree with you. I am hundred percent team June and boo August, but I think that that's like, you're two different, you're one or the other. I ended the year like on a high and I was like ready to like get my brain. Like, I don't know. I was, I was definitely a June planner and I'm still a June planner. And then in August I'm worthless. Like I'm completely worthless, but I have everything planned for the first three weeks of school before I walk out the door. So you're here. that's, that's for another episode that we definitely. It is. No, I think we've found another episode. Okay. Keep going. Uh, okay. So then I, I would say after hexagonal thinking, another consideration for collaboration in your classroom would be thinking about, the physical way that your room is actually set up so that that can happen organically and naturally. Um, Marie and I did an episode last year about like the way that we put our classrooms together. Cause I think, you know, we were kind of going into this idea of there's a lot of pressure to have themes and decor. And we said, yes, hooray, high five decor is awesome. But is it also functional? Like what are the yeah. functions? What are the functions of the projects you're taking on more so? Right? Cuz like we can decor haphazardly, but we can also like design our classrooms intentionally. So for me in collab- collaboration, one really simple and kind of dorky thing I always did was I usually had a four-walled classroom and I would label those four walls with something. So if I had a theme, for example, one year I had like a travel theme. So I literally named the walls North, South, East, and West. And I had like a little compass on there. And so when students would get into groups, no matter how they got to groups, um, I was able to call on students or assign students within that group based on the wall they were facing. So if they were sitting in a circle or whatever, I'd say, okay, I want the person who's facing north to read the first paragraph, the person who's facing east to take notes, and the person who's facing south to do a handstand. What you know, whatever. It just kind of <laughs> a nice, again, organic. I didn't have to put that all in a note sheet or put that all in a handout or on a slide. I could just kind of do that regularly and you know, it wasn't exact or perfect, but it made that atmosphere of collaboration, something that wasn't a contrived, we only do this when Ms. Cardenas has right. explicit directions. So that's a really easy thing you could, you could consider for next year putting in your room. I've done 
four different colors. You could do, I mean, you could do four characters. I mean, whatever you want. That's really easy. And what that does is it, my classroom is all tables and I was very lucky. We had like an influx of money years ago and I got all tables and chairs and they are between four to six seater tables. And it's amazing. And it allows me to do some different flexible things. Not everybody has that. Some people still have the like single butt desk, right? With like the arm that comes up and over. Some people have other sorts of arrangements. And so when you see these like beautiful Instagram and TikTok videos of people's classrooms. And you're like, well, I can't afford that. Or my teacher, you know, my classroom furniture just doesn't look like, like that. And so they like set up their collaboration amongst their table seatings. What Amanda just described solves that completely for free. And, and so simply, and it bakes it into the routines of your classroom in a way that becomes much more natural, just like she was talking about. Okay. Next one. Well, and even with your setup too, like you could, you even want to mix kids up. So even you're going to, you're going to send them to the floor to sit in a circle. You're going to send them, you know, around the room, you know, at different points. Like, so even if you have all the things, it's still, anyway, it's simple and it's easy. So take that for what you will. Hey teachers, pardon the interruption, but it's Amanda here. And I wanted you to be the first to know about an exclusive summer PD opportunity that I am hosting on Facebook. If you love close reading or you don't love close reading and really need help to make this the strategy that is the core staple in your lesson building, I'm ready to help you. For the month of June, I will be sharing live trainings on all of my best, most tried and true close reading practices. And I will be present all month to help you troubleshoot any areas that you need help with. So to find out more information and get yourself registered, head to www.mudandinkteaching.org slash close reading. There'll be more details, the cost and everything will be ready for you right there. And I can't wait to tell you more about it once you're inside and make you a master of close reading teaching. Now back to the show. Okay, so we've gone over hexagonal thinking, which is an activity. We've talked about like the organic setup of your classroom. I'd say that there's another massively amazing opportunity for student collaboration with technology. We have talked about a lot of these things on spread out episodes. um, But I'd say for me, two things that I haven't talked a lot about that are, there's a big list, but I'd say these two collaborative things have been really powerful. Um, and, And by powerful, I mean, they weren't like one and done. There are a lot of technology things that I've used once and then never gone back to, not necessarily because there's any hard feelings, but because it it doesn't call me to come back. But Wakelet is an incredible platform. So Wakelet is, I don't don't even know how to describe it. So you go to wakelet.com and you can create a Wakelet. And what you're doing is you're creating a shared workspace. So let's say you have groups working on let's say you're doing Macbeth, right? And you want one group looking at historical references to witches. Then you want the other group looking at historical references to ambition, right? So you can give everyone a different topic and the groups can create a Wakelet. And then Wakelet basically will host a YouTube video, a link, a PDF. Like it's a multimedia house for stuff, for research. Um, And then it's just really easy to work together on that compared to like putting everything in a folder on drive or even like a jam board. It's good. It's a, it's worth checking out. Um, I've actually had in my American lit class, I had students, the whole class actually had to contribute two 
items, two pieces of media that commented on the American dream. And so I had a class of like 27 times three, that many resources on the American dream. And like that became the like the big net that students kind of fished through before a Socratic seminar. So it's it's a really nice e- catch all. It's a cool catch all. Like it's the junk drawer it of your classroom that then yeah. you organize later. Yeah, yeah. You go. Th- well, it's kind of like when my kids are like, "Mommy, can we put the decorations up on the? Or, you know, like can we put the ornaments on the Christmas tree?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." Will I read later? Hundred percent. Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, that, why? Because the, the tree is going to fall over because you guys can only reach and you only put them on one side. That's, uh, I've never used that before. Cause I guess in my head, like I've heard of it, How, spell it. W a K E L E T. I've called it walkalet, wakelet. I don't know. I've also called hexagonal thinking, hexagonal thinking. And I got very politely reminded that was not correct. So anyway, wakelet. <laughs> was it me? Did I remind you? Cause I <laughs> liked it. <laughs> Definitely Betsy. Um, <laughs> So in the same vein of Wakelet, because I'm going to wrap up mine here. Uh, I've got one more thing after this, but another technology piece that we don't talk to and talk about often, and it kind of gets forgotten, is Padlet. Uh, Padlet keeps updating what they're doing. And I love Padlet for a lot of things. But the thing I love about it the most, the, the way I've used it the best, has been in the column feature. This is where I have my students turn in their first draft claims. So if they're going to write a claim statement for me in like the beginning of an essay writing process, I collect all their claims in Padlet and then I sort them. And so as written, I will grade them as a five, four, three, two, or one. And then I present that to the class. So I tell them not to put their names on it or anything. Uh-huh. And then we kind of discuss the trends. So like, why are these three a five? Why are these seven a four? Uh, Like, so why are these in the rubric column that they are? And and that's just one more way that students really get used to the type of writing rubric that we're using. And just Padlet is so perfect for anything that you want to use to reflect a rubric. That column setting is just amazing. And I haven't found that in other places with the ease that I like. Or the extra, you know, I feel like you could do it in Jamboard, but it would be more work for you. Uh, anyway, Padlet column feature. They have a timeline feature that's really cool too. Um, but for collaboration, Padlet is still, to me, like high up there. So that would be like my a very limited two-item list for technology. Um, and I have to talk about one icebreaker because there are, not all icebreakers are made yeah. alike. Oh. A hundred percent. I'm glad, I'm glad you're clarifying this because there are like, I like a goofy game for the sake of playing something goofy that makes everybody be silly together and have fun and relax. That is different from find a person who has hair three inches shorter than you. Uh, and okay, so I create my icebreakers the way that I like to do icebreakers, which yeah. is just like solving a puzzle. I don't really want to talk to anybody, but I don't mind working with people or doing something. Um, so my actually my very first day of school, we do a marshmallow challenge and the students have different challenges in the room and they have to build something with marshmallows and toothpicks. So like their level of involvement is as much or as little as they want. Yeah, they can observe, they can get really in there, they can, yeah. And, and from a teacher's perspective, I love noticing that from yeah. the beginning. Um, and so, I, you know, they start, I don't even talk about English. I just say, hey, everyone, welcome to, you know, English period one. Um, at your table, you've got uh, some directions 
Um, let's go ahead. <laughs> and that's it. And they're, they're all very like, so again, like this kind of comes back to being purposeful about collaboration too, is I want to set the tone that we are going to work together in this class. So like day one, you're working together and I'm not saved on the stage. I say, Hey, are you in the right, you know, check your schedule. Are you in the right room? And after that I step to the side. And so for me, like that is less about team building and more about culture building that this room is going to be a place where I give directions. I am the, I I can drive the car, the ship, the, whatever it is. Um, but you're going to be the ones that make it all happen. Um, and so then, yeah, then they go for it and we take a lot of pictures and it's goofy. You know, at one point, you know, people are throwing big lumps of sticky marshmallow on the floor. Everyone's asking me where the, um, the wipes are and the sanitizer, you know, know, a lot of kind of like natural, like fun conversation comes out of it without it being like, very forced. So marshmallow team building is the way to go on day one. It's, and it's fun. Like, and the pressure's off of you. <laughs> well, and I think I'm going to have to steal something like that. Cause I've been doing, and I've talked about it on the podcast quite a few times. I do stations on the first day. I'm kind of thinking, well, it's not when you have them done, like I've had them done and I just swap them in and out depending on like yeah. the group of kids I see coming through or the age of my students. So like this fall, I'm going to have all seniors again. That's my but, day two. I do that on day two. Yeah. So I, I and we're going to have like a super short day. Like, I just think that what you've got going on is so smart and that might be my, uh, the next thing I steal from you. I don't know if y'all listeners have noticed how much I steal from Amanda. It's wonderful. You got to have a good friend like that. <laughs> well, we always have a short day too. So that was yeah. kind of where it came from was I didn't have time to do anything meaningful. We had, I think our first day of school for a long time was only like 25 minute periods or less than that potentially because cool. usually an all school assembly. So yes. I think they go through their schedule and then they went to an assembly. It's changed over the years, but um that's why I wasn't going to force, like, I wasn't going to be like, at every single student looks at me like, I just read the syllabus in all my other classes. I know. And they're so relieved, right? Or if it's the first period of the day, they're like, hell yes. <laughs> Welcome back to school indeed, right? It's just the best. we thrown off. So. I know. Um, okay. Well, and that kind of actually leads me into my little piece here, which is not just students collaborating with each other, but also with you as their teacher. Like what we were talking about uh, the, in the intro to this episode, the team that it takes to get any given student across a stage. Yes, it is centered on the kiddo, but like right, the, the next layer out in that onion is us. It's the teachers. We are with them helping them get to a point of this big, huge marker of accomplishment, which is high school graduation. Um, and, and so like, not just telling students that I'm on a team with you, I, your teacher, am on your team, I'm on your side, but showing them that through collaborating with them and asking them to have input in their own education is so powerful for that. Uh, and just for building relationships and all of the things in a really organic and real way. And the first thing that we can do with that is to build expectations together. I, as a teacher, have expectations for my own classroom. And they are they revolve around respect, respect for each other, respect for this place, our environment and respect for yourself. So if I start with that, and then we talk about together, what does that nitty gritty look like? What does that look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does respect for each other look like and sound like and feel like what does respect for this place look like and sound like and feel like same for yourself. And then what happens if, okay, so like, like talking to a whole class at any given time, you know, those big like poster charts that you can make, 
to do this in a way that is controlled and small, where it's not like, what do we expect out of each other? Like that's a little bit big and broad I've found in my experience. Um, and that can kind of get derailed and get really odd. But if I just have like respect is what it is in my classroom. So now let's talk about amongst our group, what's that going to look like? That is an amazing team building experience in a group of 20, in a group of 42, in a group of whatever. It's something that everybody can like come to, you know, whatever you're going to call it, like your agreements, your expectations, your class. Uh, I don't know. I want to make a class manifesto next year. I, I, I don't know that we can do it day one. I, we might be have to do it like month two, uh, but I feel like that's another vein of the same idea of just bringing everybody together, but doing it in a controlled way where it still reflects me, their teacher and respect is what we're talking about. Respect in these three areas. Now you all show me what that's going to mean for us. Um, and whether it's on a poster that goes up on the wall or if it's something that's digital that we can keep like going back to that can be a background to my like daily agenda slides or, you know, it's like the thing that greets them when they come in, that visual reminder, right, about communication of all the expectations that they had a hand in it is is much more meaningful than just me saying, here is what I expect of you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because then here's what I expect of you hits home. <laughs> if they know that they also have a say in it, me upholding it is a lot more like impactful. Yes. Well, we've talked a thousand times about, uh, about the fact, the idea that like relationships are built through trust and the more you're consistent with that. And the more that they're part of that, the more they're going to believe in what's happening in your classroom. Oh yeah. And again, you can't build relationships. Well, you can build art, artificial relationships, but that's all they'll be is artificial. And it all has to do with walking the walk and like not just saying you're going to do something, but being consistent and being fair as much as you can be and admitting when you've made a mistake and showing how you recover. All of that has to do with all of it. And so when I also uphold the same expectations that I'm expecting my students to, that does wonders because we've created this together and now I'm going to do the same thing and I'm the same things are expected of me as are of them. Another thing that really, so the last two things I have to talk about actually are related. It has to do with student work evaluation and grading and bringing students into the fold when it comes to grading their work. They often feel like, I mean, it's like there's just hoops to jump through, right? Like students come into our classrooms because this is how, I mean, this is how my education trained me was like, did I do, did I do it right? Do I get all the points? Did I do it right? Okay, what do I need to change? Rather than me saying, okay, I can see what I did well and I can see what I need to change. Can you please help me change that, right? Like that's a very huge shift that I'm hoping we can get to on a more global sense in education, um, but that I want to push my students to at least within the confines of my classroom. And I know, Amanda, you do a lot of conferencing. That's like the biggest thing, I think. Sitting down with students, and conferencing with them about their work. It takes a lot of time. It is hard to get into practice, but it what I've found is it doesn't have to be a 40-minute conference with every kid on every paper. It can be a five-minute conference to a 30-second conference of a check-in of like, hey, your claim is getting better. Let's talk about the, you know, whatever part of it real fast. Here I made some notes. Yep. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to do. And I think that the more it happens, again, we don't want to have too many things that are one and done in our classroom. Yes. And this has come out a lot in, I think, 
I don't know that we explicitly say it enough in the podcast. I know we talk, talk around it, but we've both, I think, been through phases where we were trying to do all the new things all the time and kind of maintain this entertainment philosophy that, you know, education sometimes can feel like. And I think Marie and I have both come to the other side of realizing how important it is to pick what matters and then do it over and over and over again. And if, if collaboration matters, that and what the things are you've chosen to show that with your students. For me, conferencing was one of those things. Um, and I used to do it like once in a while. And then yeah. once, and it was it was sort of effective, but it was not nearly as effective as when it was happening monthly, right? Or or, or even more often than that, not as formally. Like I will say, because I have such large classes that it, I, I have found it very challenging. I have large classes and like you guys all know, I'm on a quarter system. So I have nine week quarters. I have them for 18 weeks and there's like 42 of them in a class. <laughs> there, I run out of time for conferencing. So I'm, I am getting better. And that's kind of one of my goals going into next year. I want to get better at building that into our regular practice as a class, um, that, that type of collaboration. One thing though, that I have built into my regular practice is asking students to help me create rubrics, Mm. asking them to, or if I have a pre-created rubric on the other side of that, asking them to create for me in groups and to like us all together as a class, create the examples of each level on that rubric that they could be going for so that they're really getting their hands into what it's going to look like when they create the final piece and what it is that they want to achieve rather than just like, did I get an A? It's more of they're seeing the concrete examples and they're doing the work that leads them to the different scores that they could want because we're not going to get away from grades. It's just not going to (laughs) happen. I need to link, if I can find it, I will. And this is, so this is an AP Lang thing, but an AP Lit thing, but it definitely should be a thing for other classes. I, I need, this is better with examples, but there are amazing examples of teachers who have asked their students to take the rubric and then reinterpret it through like a, a chosen lens, right? So like if this, right, if this rubric was, Desperate Housewives, like, what would this, like, how would you be ranking, right? How would you be grading the people or the show or whatever? Or if this was, you know, I don't know. I, and like I said, I need an example to do it, but like, I think that's exactly it. So like, if you have a mandated rubric, which a lot of people do, have the kids like learn it together, collaborate on those responses together and have some fun. Jenna Copper did it. Jenna did it. Yeah. 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 I I mean, that's the example I'm thinking of anyways. Um, so find examples. Yeah. And and in the perfect world, I like to just have students create rubrics for me. Yes. Honestly, again, it's kind of like the whole expectations thing. If I say these are the parameters nine times out of 10, the rubrics are going to be very similar to each other. And then if I've got three sections, you know, of whatever class or two sections of whatever class, I just tell them up front, you're creating a rubric. Period two is creating a rubric. I'm going to mash them together and then we're going to go over it together. And then they go, oh, yeah, because it's their peers, it's their classmates. Year to year, it doesn't really change a whole heck of a lot anyways. I give them all the criteria. They just tell me what that's going to look like. And they get a big say in how they're evaluated. And all of a sudden, there's no surprise of like, you didn't tell me that. I'm like, well, actually, you told me. So so we did, we did this together. So there, boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, collaboration. I know. I need to go. I need to get a move on this morning and get my little self to school to get school started. 
and get those children graduated. I know. Well, started for the day and then finished for the year. (laughs) Uh, Friends listening, if you have some other like great just collaboration ideas that you're like, everyone needs to know about this. Will you please head to bravenewteaching.com and leave us like a comment on this uh, show notes or head to our Instagram, send us a DM, leave us a comment so that we can share. We are going to do a big project this summer where we go through and we find all of the genius that our amazing community has given us and start pumping that back out into the world more regularly because uh, you all are amazing and we need to share that more. You're freaking, freaking smart. And we're happy to know you. It's been absolutely what an adventure. I need to give a big shout out to Huntley High School. Um, Huntley High School has a bunch of Brave New Teaching listeners. And they had me to their school last week. And we had so much fun. It was like maybe like the first time that I've been in a room with multiple people who listen to the podcast. It was really cool. And I wish you would have been oh, there. Um, big shout out to those guys in schools who are listening. We love you. Departments who are listening. Thank you for being part of it. You know, Marie, like Marie said, we're working on really kind of trying to continue to find ways to make our podcast useful to you as a department, not just something that you recreationally listen to when you have a chance, but like even something that you can use as a department um, for PD, for growth, for all kinds of things, for new teachers. Um, So if you also have ideas of ways that we can be creating in a way that's serving you as a department, feel free to reach out. I mean, we really are all ears. We might tell you, uh, that's crazy. We can't do that. Or we'll tell you, great idea. We're starting it now. So yeah, absolutely. And we really do love hearing from you. So like Amanda said, let it go. Um, friends, thank you so much for listening today. If you are already in summer break, congratulations. If you are not and you are like me and you are army crawling your way to the end, we can do this. Everybody take a deep breath. Friends, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 